Welcome to Hey All You Zombies. I'm Richard Krauss. On the other end of the internet tube is Chris Abel. Ah, that's Hi. right. He's been watching The Walking Dead again, haven't you? I don't know. They don't really do that, but I like to think that they do. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, this is, a, this is an hour-ish where we sit around and speak of esoteric things. We talk about whatever happens to grab our fancy in the moment. Uh, and, you know, lately we've been talking a great deal about The Walking Dead. And uh, can you blame us? It's just the best thing going, frankly. And it was uh, a good, I mean, it's, the, it's, it's not the series finale, it's the mid-season finale. I hate this. I hate yeah. the mid-season finale idea. Um, there's a meme that I saw uh, earlier, and it had one of the characters going like, ah, and it says, what, I have to wait till February? You know, and it's really true. Like, you know, why, why take a couple of months off? Especially now people have time off. It's Christmas, and what do you want to do at Christmas? You want to watch zombies. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the, the, the big topic when people get together for the holidays. They'll yeah. unwrap up their, wrap their presents and say, hey, did you watch The Walking Dead? I mean, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but this last episode, the season, mid-season finale, whatever the hell they're calling it, uh, was pretty good. Like, you know, the, the, the show reached a very definite high mark around four or five weeks ago with uh, two characters. And if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil I know lots of people sort of save up and watch everything all at once. Oh, yeah. I won't spoil it for you, but, I mean, man, you go online. It's not hard to find out what happens on this show <laughs> on Twitter. Um, but uh, uh, it reached a high mark when two characters were, were uh, offed in one episode. That was an amazing show. Since then, the shows have been good, not as strong, though. But I have to tell you, I'm finding it really odd and it seems to be a pattern now that when one african-american character dies or when they introduce an, one african-american character they seem to have to kill one african-american character have you noticed this did you notice yeah. um you know when when t-dog went and then all of a sudden they, they there's a, a another guy and one of the prisoners becomes sort of part of the pack you know that's cool you know you've got another guy you've got another new cool character well here's a bit of a spoiler they killed that guy the other day just as another sort of you know african-american character who looks like he's going to be part of the of the ensemble yeah. is entering and i'm just finding it a little odd i mean i, I it's like you know, if you're African American and on that show, you may as well be wearing a red shirt. Yeah, like Star Trek. Do you find this, or am I reading too much in? No, no, no. I've I've noticed that pattern as well. I mean, I thought that they were going to avoid that because there was a lot of complaints very early on that T Dog just didn't seem to do anything on the yeah. show. He had very few lines, uh, and then the actor was doing interviews and saying, "Hey, in the next uh, season, there's going to be a lot more T Dog," and there was, but it was about him leaving the show. So yeah. it just you know, very, very odd. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure I understand it. I also Sorry. noticed that the, the female characters aren't as strong as, or are given as much respect as they would, say, in the original comic book series. I find that very strange. A lot of the female characters are making dumb mistakes. Uh, they're, they're very easy to be criticized online. I mean, Lori uh, mm -hmm. went for a long time online as being the, the, the worst mother of all time. Yeah. Now, Andrea, there's a meme that's going around that shows Andrea, and it says, I'm only on this show to make stupid decisions. <laughs> it's just, you know, there's, it, it's kind of odd, but there, there is definitely something going on with minorities on the show that I think maybe, I don't think it's intentional, but I think the creators need to step back and sort of realize what's happening. Well, it's funny because for a show that gets so much stuff right, 
that it just it, it struck me, and I, I you know I, I kind of thought, well, maybe the T Dog thing and the new character, maybe that was just an anomaly, and then it happened again on Sunday, and I was like, I just don't think that this is right. I don't. I, I feel like there's. I mean, I I can't for the life of me imagine that it's intentional that someone says, oh well, you know, no, no, you know, we can't that. have more than one strong. African-American character at a time on this show or one male that I can't imagine that anyone's doing that. And so uh, don't mistake me. Don't get me wrong here, but it just doesn't seem right yeah. for a show that gets so much other stuff, right. You know? <laughs> no, I agree. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's either one of the things that's been interesting with the last episode is what they've done with the governor. Right. Um, in terms of trying to make him unpredictable, uh, give him a bit of a twist. For a while, it was weird. It was like they were making him sympathetic. Well, see, I think, see, and this is what I mean when they get stuff right. I think for me, who haven't read the comic books, and I won't read the, the, the graphic novels because I don't want to know. I'm a, I, 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 you know. I want to watch the show and sort of let it go uh, in that way. It's unfolding in a way that's very pleasing to me. And I, I don't feel, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel that I need uh, any more background than I'm getting from the show. One source is enough for me right now in this story. Right. But I thought that one of the things that was so clever is that they've turned this guy into like this weird anti-hero, but maybe he does some good for some people and he's twisted because of the love of his zombie daughter and all that. Like they made him complex. They gave him a backstory. They gave him uh, uh, a, a reason. Uh, he, they gave you a reason to keep watching this guy because you never exactly knew what he was going to do. But it wasn't that he was just unpredictable for the sake of being unpredictable. There's actually reasons for the stuff that he does. And I like that. I like he's a despicable character. He's one of the great villains I think that we've seen on on a TV show for a long time. But you know, uh, uh, I, I I like it. I like it that we don't quite get him. You know. Yes, I like it that there was almost a point in the last I'd say two episodes where you begin to wonder: Is he really a villain? I mean, yeah. he's creepy. He's done some stuff that's highly questionable. But so is Rick. So is many of the others. Is he not just a product of this world? He seems to be, genuinely care for the, the this community he's looking after. He seems to genuinely want to to sort of find out something about how the zombies are and whether they can ever be cured. Those are good intentions. They should be. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's strange. But now there's the suggestion that. Uh, because he's been hurt in some right. very serious way, that that may start to twist him and turn him into something even worse than what we've seen before. So I, that's an interesting direction that they're taking him. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he has been, he's damaged now. I mean, more than psychologically. He is damaged, you know, physically. And so now he kind of looks more like a villain. He's wearing an eye patch. And, and you know, he sort of looks kind of like a, a, a pirate, only without the ruffled shirt, you know? Yeah. And, and the, and the cliffhanger, I think, shows how ruthless he's prepared to be, you mm -hmm. know. And, again, I like it. I hate cliffhangers. I just hate them. Yeah. hate them. But I know why they exist. But, I, you know, but it was a good show. Uh, the, the, the governor is a great character. But I just, I just wonder. I have to, I have to wonder about my my creeping doubt about the African American characters and and why why so treated so poorly, you know? 
Yeah, I don't know. And and I'm surprised there isn't much more of an uproar. There aren't columns being written about that. Maybe it just says something about the demographic that's tuning into the show. Uh, it's kind of strange. And I think it's, it, it says to a question of, of everything in general in terms of our adventure stories, which characters we tend to want to, to follow and, and sort of rise to the top. It's interesting that although Rick is meant to be the character that sort of is the linchpin of the whole story, you go online and the fans are rallying behind Daryl Dixon. I mean, he's the guy that, you know, everybody right now, if you remove that character, for a lot of people, they're just going to stop watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will not stop watching this show because I, as I say, it gets so much right. And, but I do think that, you know, it, it, it needs to be tweaked a little bit. I like the unpredictability of the show. Um, I like that you never know. I mean, any of them are <laughs> expendable, apparently, right. you know, <laughs> really. And I, I, I like that. I like the idea that every time I see new characters coming in this week, a lot of new characters came in. I thought, well, does that mean that a lot of old characters are going out? Because it's that kind of story where people can, there's an ebb and flow to it. You know, the governor has only been in it for three or four episodes, you know, and all of a sudden he's like a really compelling, great character. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting show. It's an interesting kind of um, uh, experiment in television because you've got three seasons now. Uh, the second season was this weird anomaly that wasn't really like the first season and isn't anything like the, the this new season. The themes maybe have, uh, some of the themes have, have gone through, but everything else about it is as different as you can possibly imagine. And so it's an interesting show, and it's an, it's a show that, that kills off main characters and, and, you know, with the promise of more to come. So I don't know. I, I, I Like, I, I find it still so compelling that way, but, you know, I have thoughts. Cool. When we come back in February, what I'm hoping for with the series is going to be that they will continue to not pull punches. I want it to be as severe as it can. Uh, and also my other big hope is that the phone is going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of darkness here. <laughs> but Rick, you know, the character of Rick, I think there's there's lots more to be explored with him because so far in the last, since his wife, Lori, was killed, oh, I just told everybody. Hey. Uh, you know, uh, he's he's gone to a very bad place, and I just think that that uh, there's a lot more to be explored. There, show it to us, really let it manifest itself. We've seen little hints and little bits and pieces of it, but uh, I feel that there's something more going to happen yeah. there, and it might yeah. not be good for Rick. What happens? But I don't know. The show is always, at, I think, at its best when it presents really tough, hard difficult decisions right uh, and that's something that we as an audience can relate to that when a character has to make a decision as to whether to save somebody whether to uh kill somebody that that has to be something that's just agonizing you're sitting on the couch you don't want uh that decision to have to be made you wouldn't want to do it yourself and then it's the anticipation of seeing how that plays out right. i think that's fantastic as long as they can keep that going oh man I'm yeah well really i mean when t-dog went that was bad and see that was a good one they built it up Oh, there's another spoiler. I just told you. <laughs> I guess we <laughs> But but when he went, that was a good one because you know he went in a very heroic way, saving someone else's life. Uh, he knew what was going to happen, but did it anyway. You like and and it was slow. Like you kind of went, uh, don't go down that. Don't that go, uh, you're going. You're going in there. You shouldn't. <laughs> and it, you know, it really to me uh, was one of the good ones. Was one of the one of the ones. A lot of what happens on the show is so fast now that you kind of often don't get a chance to, you know, get it, get terribly involved with it. No, and that was good in that they had a wonderful conversation about the value 
of certain people in the community and who you would want to save and who you don't. And I thought that was great because, you know, it's not just that someone died or the shock of someone dying, but that there's a discussion. It makes you think later on about it. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, one of the topics I wanted to, to sort of touch upon this week, or one of my fascinations right now is 3D printing. I'm just amazed by this new technology and yeah. it's something I've been following for a couple of years. And it's just at this point now where it's just incredible in terms of the way that people are exploring it. So I guess it should first explain what 3D printing is. Uh, here, I'll show you what a machine looks like. Three, well, 3D printing is a machine uh, that's used for creating objects. Right. So in the past, you might think of things like, say, a, a lathe or a milling machine in a shop or what they call a high-pressure water uh, cutter, or, you know, it's a machine that you put materials in, it out pops a little product. What's different about this is that it does a process where it's printing the, the product. It, it right. creates layers of plastic that just build up and build up and build up, and it's as if what you're looking at starts to kind of grow and become fully formed. Well, I've seen this. Like, I, I, I've seen, I have not seen it in person, but I've seen it on, uh, you know, online. And now, apparently, there's, there's one, a little machine that's going to be at, uh, you know, shopping malls and things, that instead of it being like those strip photography, those photo booth photography places, you go in and it takes your picture and then makes a little doll of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, a doll, which I would assume is the same kind of technology, you know? Yes. Uh, in fact, I've got... Where's the the picture right here? Um, ba -bum, ba -bum, ba -bum, ba -bum. There we are. So if I open this up, so I'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Do, 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 do. So this is what you're talking about. It's the, the 3D printer photo booth. And what happens yeah. is, yeah. so the first thing they do is they've got this special camera you can see on, it's probably your right, my yeah. no, labeled number one. And yeah. it's a camera that they would point at you. And what happens is it ends up scanning you as a person. So we've got the people on the, the, the right-hand side there. It creates a three-dimensional computer model that's now into a computer. You can then send that. Uh, let's pull up the now, is it do, do you turn around? Does it take uh, or does it just shoot you from the front and then it sort of imagines what the rest of you looks like? I would imagine that they would have to put you on something like a Lazy Susan or a rotatable uh, floor. Right. to be able to capture you from all sides. But this is the result here. Uh, these are the figurines of two people who have had their um, selves captured. And it looks like little tiny wedding cake toppers yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of the detail. But I mean, it, what's amazing here is that this is something that was grown, so it was printed by layers, but we have such immaculate detail. It's the detail of the clothing. Her, look at her boots, the way that they're, you know, sort of rumpled in the middle and his pants have creases and things in them. Yeah, and, and but more impressive uh, from what we've seen in the past couple of years with, with printing, the original 3D printers could only print things that were all one color. And so here we have multiple colors being melded together, but also uh, done with things like shading and skin tone and all the things as if it's been hand-painted. Although right. maybe there has been a bit of touch-up that's been going on after the process is done. But yeah, it's just amazing in terms of the two things that have really happened with... Um, with 3D printing. The one is that the size of the machines have actually shrunk down. Right. I'll show you what they're, they're selling now. It used to be, my feeling is that 3D printing is kind of like computers were in the early 1980s. And that when they first came out, there were large, massive machines that were designed mainly for universities or for industrial use. Now we're getting to the point where we have these little desktop machines uh, and people can actually take them home and start to play with them in a hobbyist capacity. 
And so if I pull up, uh, where is it? Do, 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 there it is. So this is called the MakerBot Replicator 2. Uh, there we are. And you can buy this for $2,200. And it's a it doesn't desk. seem like very much. Really, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's yeah. a market change. But you know, years ago, I bought a laser printer. <laughs> doesn't seem that long. You know, like fifteen years ago, that was fifteen hundred bucks, and all it did was uh, you know, black and white on paper. You know. Yeah, completely. So it's a beautiful machine. Lots of fun. You would take this home. You'd connect it up, say, in your den. Uh, you could put it even in a, in a kitchen, I suppose. Connect it up. A computer would then download various 3D models of things that you would want to print off. You send it off to the machine. Your only constraints would be, of course, uh, size in terms of how big the item was and things like, excuse me, the color and, and, and detail. But amazing technology. And initially when it came out, I mean, people were saying, well, look, you could print off little tiny parts for other machines. You could print off, uh, you know, little tchotchkes that you could have in your home. Now we're starting to see it where we're seeing medical applications. So they can actually now with an MRI, um, and I've told you this before, they can scan your skull. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. send the 3D model of that skull to a printer and print off a, a you know, a, a memento of what your skull yeah. would actually look like. But they're also using this to actually create joints, replaceable joints for the inside of knees, uh, also to recreate jaws for people who have had damaged jaws and need to have, you know, plastic surgery. That's been amazing. There have been chefs who have been experimenting with using this technology for food to be able to print off food. That's kind of cool. Um, I found out that the industrial size version of these machines was actually used for Skyfall, uh, for the James Bond movies, because they wanted to bring, bring back the Aston Martin DB5, but it's really hard to find those. Those were hard to find in 1972 or 1969. They're very, very hard to find now, so they only had one that they could actually use for the movie. So they scanned it and sent it off to a company that had a large industrial size 3D printer, and they 3D printed three versions of the Aston Martin. Which, which bad things happen to in the movie. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> and that just blows my mind that you can do that and have that immaculate kind of uh, detail. It's just wow. phenomenal, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, uh, what, when, if I had it at home here and I was just printing, I wanted to print off this mug, what, would it, what, what do I load into it? Instead of putting paper in, what do you put in that actually makes the thing that comes out? You're putting in, um, you know, it'd be instead of ink, you're putting in cartridges of plastic. Right. And you would have to purchase, again, different cartridges for different yeah. kinds of colors that you would need. You would download the file. Um, hopefully, you you know, people are sharing files now for free. Uh, eventually, right. I think it's going to be something that you have to buy. But you'd send that off to the machine. What's interesting is that some people have already, they, they've, you know, people who have access to fabrication rooms, maybe they work at a university, uh, have access to a large 3D printer that they can do. They've experimented with certain things. There's a guy down in the States who bought a lamp from Ikea and um, the lampshade ended up breaking. And right. he thought, well, last thing I want to do is go back to Ikea and have to buy a whole new lamp. So he asked around, he found somebody else who had the exact same lamp. He borrowed the lampshade. He just scanned it. And then he sent the file off to his printer and printed off a replacement lampshade. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I, I, I love this. I think this is so cool. I will not be buying one anytime soon. No. But, uh, but you know, eventually, 10 years from now, we'll be sitting here. And while we're talking, I will go, look at this cool zombie I just made. It's cool. And that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, and he uh, yeah, We're never going to have to leave the house. No. Honestly. 
weird. Well, he he create replacement shades for his lamp, but when he put it into the program, he decided, you know what? I feel like having uh, one of those in blue, or one of those in red, and so you can actually change and augment. I was thinking, you know, it'd be funny to take all the light switch plates off and replace yeah. them with new ones that have your own personal monogram yeah. or design, or you know, all sorts of things. Right now, it's in that hobbyist stage that you have people who. Are so fascinated that they're willing to save up and you know spend three thousand dollars. Well, it's, it would be expensive. I, I imagine that the, the the cartridges are hellaciously expensive now too, right? Yeah. 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 So I mean, you know, it's at that point now where people are just buying these machines to see what they can do. And I it, I remember the first computers when they came out. The people were like, "Look, I can do math on them." You know, you right. you really there's nothing <laughs> too impressive at this point to do with them, but it is fascinating. Um, the one issue that's sort of happening is there's two other stories that popped up. One is that people are now using these to experiment and see if they can print off guns. Um, you know, you, you can create the components. And I think that so far some people have managed to print off a gun that's working that's only missing a couple of components. So if you can get the, the various chambers or, or bullets, then you could create a fully automatic weapon. Right. Uh, the other scary part, well, not scary, but interesting, is that having a 3D printer in your home means that you can get objects with a certain amount of privacy. And so you have people now who are 3D printing off their own sex toys, their own, you know, unusual objects and artifacts like that. Yeah, so reading about something in 50 shades of gray and they're like, you know what? <laughs> exactly. And wow. and so it's going to be very interesting in the sense that um, you know, just as before the internet, you had you know, had people who were almost constrained in terms of they went to a, a specific store and they wanted to buy something in a brown paper bag, had to be very careful, work out strategies to get it home. Moment that the internet arrived, it's just download it. And now it's going to be the same thing with, you know, real objects, the people who want stuff that you may not normally be able to get through normal channels will be, hey, can you scan me one of those and I'll download it here. And I don't know. It's going to be an interesting world that we're going to enter into once 3D printing gets to the point like personal computers where everybody has one in their home. Yeah, it's so, it's such a, you know, I, I think back um, the other day, my father sent me a, a, a little photo album just that he had put together. And there were photographs of, of my mom and him on their honeymoon in 1950-whatever, my grandmother and things like that. And it sort of got me looking back at these pictures and, you know, in, in the big clunky televisions that were in the background of some of them and the cars and things, and thinking, you know, things really didn't change all that much for a really long time. I mean, you know, in some ways they did, for sure. And when you lived through those years, of course, it felt like, you know, there was progress every day, you know, in the 70s, things like, my God, the speed of life can't get any faster than it is now, you know? And now I just think about the way that the world has changed in the last 15 years mm -hmm. is revolutionary. I mean, as, I mean, this is, you know, if you're watching this on the podcast, what I've just said to you sounds like your grandfather talking to you. But but looking at these pictures really drove it home for me again. You know, the idea that that uh, that we can just do this as easily as a couple of clicks on our on our computer is uh, you know would have would be shocking to the people in those photographs that I was looking at. Oh, completely. Yeah. No, it, it's amazing because I think a lot of change that happened. Uh, sort of the, the second half of the 20th century was more about style. 
more yeah. about approaches to attitudes. You know, skirts got long, skirts got short, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. And, well, and, and there was, you know, the civil rights movement happened and, you know, gay rights and, you know, stuff like that, all that stuff, all this sort of, you know, sociopolitical stuff happened. And then all of a sudden there's a wave of, you know, technology that comes in and just changes everything, you know? Yeah, and, and completely in terms of, of what it is that you're capable of doing. You know, it, it's not about making things easier anymore. It's now about presenting things that you would never do, uh, yeah. never have done before. So, yeah, very fascinating. Um, I don't have a 3D printer yet. Right. I can't make that investment. But, uh, man, I, I watch, I salivate, I look online, and it's one of those things that I would recommend right now. You could type in in any of your news gathering services, 3D printer. And there's right. just these tremendous news stories that are coming out. They're not in the main headline section of the paper. I personally think they should be, but they're always sort of in the back end, but very interesting. Lots of uh, incredible developments that are happening. Well, uh, yeah, I know. Absolutely. And one of the things, this isn't really what I'm going to talk about, but we're talking about the internet and how it's changed things. You know, one of the things that uh, it has changed is everyone now can enjoy this. <laughs> this is the grumpy cat. And, this is Grumpy Cat, and this is the meme. I had fun once, and it was awful. This was everywhere. The Grumpy Cat, whose name is Tard, uh, showed up online, you know, I don't know, a month ago. And since then, I've become obsessed. And it's mostly this picture right here. No matter how many times I see this picture, it makes me laugh. And Tard, I don't really know much about Tard, except that he's a beautiful little cat who's got some kind of genetic... Uh, thing going on that makes him look like the worst, like he's just been kicked in the stomach. He's mad all the time. I'm sure he's loving and wonderful. But um, but it is funny. We talk about 3D printers changing the world. And then this is probably the single most downloaded thing. These pictures of Grumpy Cat are probably the single most downloaded thing of the last week, I would imagine. That and information on Kate uh, Middleton's pregnancy. Oh, right. Yes. And I just wanted to talk about this a little bit. Uh, you know, Kate Middleton, pregnant now. We're happy. We're happy for them. Uh, I just Googled it. I just wrote the words Kate pregnant, and 221 million results came up in 0 0.22 seconds. So uh, clearly people are, uh, people are writing about this. But what I was surprised about, and the reason that I bring it up, is that on the news last night, after it was announced, the first, I would say, six minutes of the local news that I watched were devoted to this. And I can see it being an announcement. There's a new heir to the throne, because this knocks back uh, Harry one, right? The, 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 Ooh, yeah. Yeah, William's kids now take priority, I think, it, it, uh, whatever it is. Harry will still up, end up on a quarter or a nickel or something, probably, but he's not going to be king, probably. And... Uh, You've got uh, these news stories. So six minutes, six minutes of uh, talking to a pediatrician who says, oh, well, she's been hospitalized. She's probably carrying twins. And she's, and just so much speculation. And I'm just like, you know what? I know that they're royals and I know that they're very public people and they're forced to be. But can't we just leave anyone alone? Can't we just let people have this moment, 
for themselves. You know, there's a picture of Prince William, and I, yeah, I got to tell you, I'm not a monarchist in any way. I don't. Yeah, I, I, listen, I'm happy that the Queen has been a constant throughout my life. It's kind of cool that you know, ever since I was a kid, I've been staring at paintings of her in my school, and she's on the money. I'm fine with all that. I would be very respectful if I met her, but. I don't really care about the ins and outs of their lives at all. Uh, but I saw Prince William coming out of uh, a photograph of him coming out of a, a hospital. And it was like, William has to step out for air. Because he probably, he had this look on his face. Well, if you've ever been photographed a lot of times very quickly, a lot of the photos look like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you choose one of those and you go, well, he was obviously twisted and concerned, but, you know, and I just thought, wow, this isn't news. We're watching this. We're watching six minutes on this. There's already people betting what the baby will be called. Elizabeth, an eight to one favorite, apparently, uh, for a name. And I just thought, this isn't news anymore. This is just speculation. Right. And it, for me, uh, was so thoroughly uninteresting. And I was just wondering who is interested in this? I want, and why? I mean, <laughs> you know, I sort of understand, I guess, within England, there could be a great amount of fascination for it Absolutely. because it's part of their history and, and certainly part of their society. But why in Canada? Why in the United States? What is, I mean, there's no drama. There's no conflict here that I can imagine. It's two people who had a baby. Yeah, um, well, in, in, on the local news, I thought, uh, did nothing happen in Toronto yesterday? Was there nothing? Did not, didn't Rob Ford say something stupid? Didn't, you know, something must have happened. Instead, nope, six minutes. Streeters wow. talking to people on the street. What do you think? I'm really happy for them. Well, that's awesome news. Yeah. Unless no, I, I, I know. These stories, I know they get a huge, um, huge audience for them. There's lots of people to write in, but I just, there's nothing there to be really opinionated about. Uh, yeah. it, it's going to be a very predictable affair. They're going to have a baby. It's going to be named after one of the relatives, like Edward, Harry, you know, any of those kinds of names. I don't understand what the conflict is. But I guess the weird part is that the fascination is that you're talking about royalty. Yeah. Do really women real still buy into the fairy tale? sort of romance of life? I mean, is there this idea that you can be a queen? Is that the, the, I don't understand it myself. I think it's really bizarre. No, and, and I just wonder about this, sort of just the amount of speculation that goes on. I remember when Anna Nicole Smith died. I was on a plane. When she yeah. actually left this mortal coil, I was on an airplane flying between here and Los Angeles with a lot of entertainment reporters. We were all going down, I can't remember what we were doing. We were all going down to LA to do some interviews. And so when we get off, everyone gets the first thing everyone does when I play you turn your phone on and you, all you can hear is zoom, 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 all the way through messages coming through. And it's Anna Nicole Smith, all the assignment editors getting in touch with everybody on that plane going, Anna Nicole Smith died. You're in L.A. Find someone. Doesn't matter who. Find someone to talk about it. <laughs> so I don't have to do this. I, this isn't what I do. This isn't my beat. So. I'm talking to everyone, and everyone's just like zooming off the plane to try and go find someone who met Anna Nicole Smith once or went to school with her years ago or something. Everyone had to have some kind of thing. So I go back to the hotel. While I'm unpacking, I flick on the TV. CNN's on. Already, Wolf Blitzer is like, well, we've got a panel of doctors to discuss how she might have died. And, you know, you know you've got to feel for Wolf a little bit. He's collecting a paycheck to talk about the news, and they're like, well, talk about Anna Nicole Smith. He probably doesn't have a lot of say in the matter. But nonetheless, three hours of speculation. And I thought, again, not a little bit of news. And it's no wonder 
that people are confused. It's no wonder that people don't ever have the facts exactly straight. It's no wonder that politics and the news has turned into more of a of a of an opinion based. I don't know. There's not a lot of facts. Not a lot of facts. When you talk no. to the average person about, you know, go to America and say. Well, I understand you're getting kind of socialist down here with Obamacare and whatnot, and see what they say, and then ask them, do you know what socialism actually is? And see what kind of answer you get. And you're not going to get the answer that you might hope for. No. And, uh, you know, well, I guess there's, there's two thoughts I have on this. Is One, that I'm always disappointed that the news decides that they're the right platform to cover these stories. Right. Despite the fact that we've had talk shows like Oprah, like, you know, The View, yep. that seem to be set up specifically to deal with tabloid-like stories, yep. that the news still feels like they have to be able to cover it, that there isn't some sort of, you know, well, let's have a division here at the network and make sure that we have one set of properties that just handles those obsessions and those salacious stories while we keep the news kind of clean to stuff that's really important. That idea that they just, no, 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 we, we have to stop talking about what's happening in the Middle East or stop talking about this new uh, breaking story and instead spend three hours talking about Anna Nicole Smith is really depressing. It's, it's well, very. <laughs> this is what the show, the newsroom, is all about. Yeah. Right, essentially. I mean, it's a, a guy that eventually just as a newscaster who's, you know, found his new show invaded by tabloid stories and said, no, we're not doing that anymore. You know, we're not, no spiking, none of that sort of thing. We are going to just report on the news. And, you know, that in, like in real life, I suspect, hasn't gone well for them. Although it's interesting to me that on the Today Show and Good Morning America, all those shows, um, if you go online and sort of look at the comments that people make about those shows, people are finding that there's not enough actual news on them anymore, that it's all about, you know, I mean, I think, you know, there's a place on those shows for a cooking segment and for some entertainment news and stuff, but um, they, people uh, look like they want news and interesting news. Now, I think that there's a place for entertainment news if it's handled properly and it's actually news, you know, but uh, uh, it doesn't have to be dumb. It doesn't have to be what people are wearing and that kind of thing. There's loads more things to talk about. But uh, but those people, but people are demanding actual news, which is which you know makes me feel happy. No, it's a good thing, and I I don't know. I think part of it is that we tend to. Um, in terms of the media, there's a there's a sense to want to homogenize everything and turn it into the same repeatable formula. Because uh, I feel that there are shows that should be set up that should just talk about something without the vein of it trying to be news. And it's really hard to do that. We make that mistake here in Canada. Every time we launch a show, it could be about cars. It's now about car news. We could do a show about fashion, and it's fashion news. And I think it's just this sense that news is an easy template that you can apply to everything. But that's not necessarily right. Right. You need to be able to take these topics and move them off and discuss them in the way that people want to enjoy them without having to pretend that it's it's breaking news or it's important or to displace the actual real stories that that are that have weight to them. Right. But I mean, your 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 meant your topic about the number of people who've performed searches on this reminds me of a comment that my hero, the mad scientist Andre Gein, known for floating frogs, um, he said that uh, he felt there was a, an absence of curiosity in our world just in general, that to have so many people going online and they could search about anything in the world and they're searching about this, that that is a real problem that people aren't 
<clears throat> being motivated in a way to take a greater curiosity about the world around them, that there's things right. beyond their sort of myopic little view. And that's kind of a sad thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I don't meet as many people now, and maybe it's just, listen, maybe it's just my circle, you know. But, you know, it, it seems to me that sort of years ago, people, uh, I knew people, you know, we were talking before we clicked the on button, the on air button, about magic. And there were a few years ago, like, I knew loads of people that sort of were sort of hobbyists in this. And I don't seem to meet as many hobbyists that, that do it just for the joy of doing it anymore. If there's something, I don't know, maybe it's, more of a statement that we're all working more than we used to. And maybe, you know, I don't know, but you know, maybe curiosity is dead. <laughs> I hope not. Or at least, you know, we're, we're trying to perpetrate that here, get people a little bit more motivated. But I, I want to point out that, you know, here we are, we're doing a show on YouTube and we managed to get 29 episodes without talking about cats. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm who, sure who brought, brought it up? I'm sure I brought him up at least once before, but no. And you know what? I'm, I, I didn't dwell on the grumpy cat. I'm a little obsessed with it. I think, you know, let me see if I can show you something else here uh, quickly. Um, if, you, uh, if you go to my uh, Facebook site, the grumpy cat is my – it's not just the, the, the grumpy cat. It's the uh, the grumpy cat, a photograph, and then these four small photos are are uh, artists' renderings of the grumpy cat. And so there's, I am seriously a little bit obsessed by this. So uh, you know, I'm sorry, people. Well, and, and it's funny um, when I had to first introduce YouTube. So on Canada, we did the very first segment where we had to explain, hey, there's this thing called YouTube. Um, I made the decision at the time because I felt it was my job to show people the real truth. You know, here's an innovation, here's a technology, this is how it's going to end up being used. So I made sure that the first YouTube video that I showed was of a cat playing with a Mac computer. And uh, it did not go over well. I mean, I had a lot of people look at me with great horror, you know, even behind the scenes at Canada, they thought, why did you show this? Why didn't you choose some other kind of clips of the news or a program or something like this? And I, I sat there and said, no, this is the future. <laughs> Everyone's going to be sitting in front of their computers looking at videos of cats. Yeah. And um, to my, you know, I feel great about it because I can look back and go, I, I nailed it right there. I mean, You're that's a prophet. You are a prophet. <laughs> well. Yeah, I don't know. I I, uh, I don't watch a lot of cat videos online, frankly. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, the odd time people like you know, I mean, like everybody, you get people sending you videos and things, and you click on them, and it's just like, oh, look, it's a cat sitting in a cat bed for a really long time, not doing anything. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sending that over. Um, what else do you have? Right. Um, so I want to um, talk about an interesting question that's being bandied about. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about Mars, uh, thanks to Curiosity going out there. Suddenly space is really, really cool. I'm very happy about that. Um, but there's this interesting question that's been bandied around among space fans, uh, and it's all I can think about. I don't have an answer yet, but it, it's, it's this. We're at the point now where people are starting to wonder if we will be able to send a human being to Mars. If we're going to get back to the point where we're sending people to basically other planets instead of just sticking them up on a little space. But they'll never come back, though, right? That's the thing. I mean, you can send them, and they probably, they're, they're never coming back. So that's the key point, because for a lot of people who've been dreaming about this for years, they're at the point of saying, all right, look, um, when will we reach the point that we can send a human being to Mars? And the truth is that we may be able to get somebody to Mars and bring them back, but it won't be in our lifetime. 
Right. The, the sad part is for a lot of the, the people, their, their dream is kind of going to end. And there are lots of people that say, well, look, we don't really need to send a human being to Mars. We've got robots there that are doing all the things that we need. Right. You know, you don't really need to see, send a human being. However, there is the whole idea of just, you know, the, the, it's important that we right. represent ourselves, that we explore our solar system. So the question has come up, and it's being asked to a lot of people. If you could go to Mars and it was a one-way trip, would it be worth to say, yes, I'll do it anyway? Uh, I, well, maybe. Listen, uh, you know, just from, from thinking about it from uh, sort of a show-busy point of view, you want to be the first person to go. Because that's the one that'll be remembered. You want to be the first person to be on Mars. You don't want to be like the fifth guy. Nobody remembers the fifth guy. So maybe, maybe that. But you know, listen, it depends on your personality. I mean, I think you might go before I would go, for instance, because you would be more something. You know. Yeah. I can imagine you walking, going Mars. You know, even <laughs> if you're 89 years old by the time you finally land. Well, it's it's. Yeah, it's something I've been processing a lot because I think there's it's one of those things where the the quick and short answer would be to say yes. Uh, you know, I would love to be the first person to go to Mars, uh, and not only to be the first person to go to Mars, but the first person to walk on another planet. Right. We've only walked on a moon; it's not quite the same. But then there's the reality that you know, being an astronaut is not a pleasant experience. It's right. it's a very hard experience. It's not just that you have to wear the equivalent of a diaper, although they do have space toilets now. But every chamber that you go in is going to smell like body odor. You know, you're up there for a very long time. It's always recondition uh, recycled air. It's a small little claustrophobic, you know, cockpit that goes on for a very long time. And then when you land, there isn't going to be enough food to give you much of a life expectancy. So it becomes almost a trip that this is <laughs> this is your decided funeral. You're going to go so that you can end your life early and you can have your little funeral and, and sort of die and be left on Mars. Yes, you get to be the first person to go and yes, you will present this great legacy, but it's, it, you know, there are other things like if you stay on this planet, the world is rapidly changing. There's all sorts of things to kind of experience. It's a crazy kind of notion, but it's something that a lot of people are, are having fun throwing that question about. It's something to, to really contemplate and think about. I'm I sure think there'd probably be a Starbucks on Mars because they're everywhere else. So you might get lucky once you get up there. You don't know what's up there. No, that's very true. Barista. So here I am. I'm on Mars. This is what would happen if I went. Um, that's thanks to a fantastic diorama and room that's offered at the Ontario Science Center. You can go in and see what it's like. But And that's the big issue, that when you get there, it's a dead planet. I mean, you're surrounded by a lot of butterscotch-colored rock formations. Uh, and I would hope that, you know, if you were to take this trip, that NASA would be able to find a way to give you something to do while you're there. But it, it does become this big question that it may be beautiful for the first couple of days, but I'm sure after a while you might be driven absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, you would have had a long time to think about it on the way up there. So by the time you get there, you're like, this is it? This <laughs> well, is it? I drove all the way for this? It might be different if it was a trip to, say, Titan, which is one of the moons on Saturn. And Titan actually has a weather system, much like the Earth, except instead of water, everything is methane. So you have these liquid pools. There's like farts everywhere. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, the difference is that you have liquids and lakes, just like you would here, and you have clouds in the sky. But when it rains, the rain actually falls very slowly like snow. 
uh, and you have this sort of different set of physics. So you could go um, windsurfing right. on you know a place like Titan, and it would be completely different than windsurfing here right. on Earth. Right. So there, there, I think that maybe the, the issue with Mars is that once you get there, it's kind of a dead planet. There's not too much to do, except unless you're the kind of person that you want to explore deep into the ground. Because what we're learning is that Mars may be dead now, but you go back maybe a couple of billion years ago, a couple of million years ago, it may have been teeming with life once upon a time. So it would be fun just to be the guy who could find those fossils. Maybe right. create your own little museum for anybody that's going to follow to come and take a look. You know, that would be that could be kind of fun. There could be an interesting little adventure there. Right, right. Well, that is interesting. I don't know. I, I, I'll uh, I'll wait till you go, and then you okay. can call me and let me know how it is, and then we'll go. Um, you know, we're we're getting uh, close to the holiday season. And, you know, the holiday season is essentially, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate around here. I don't know what we'll do. We're not going to decorate, but we'll celebrate around here a little bit. But um, I find often that the holiday season is just, you know, ripe with disappointment. And, you know, for, for people that I know, they get so excited about it. Then they spend their entire holidays uh, on the road going between divorced parents' houses or whatever. Is it? But uh, it, I just, I, I looked up New Year's Eve, I prefer over Christmas frankly. Oh, okay. And uh, so I looked up some uh, unusual traditions for uh, New Year's Eve, which I thought I'd share with you. In South America, apparently, uh, residents all wear brightly colored underpants. And those who wear red, for example, are hoping for love in the new year. Those who wear yellow, for instance, are, are hoping for money. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, in Denmark, many Danish people leap off chairs at midnight, hoping to sort of ban all bad spirits in the new year. They also have a very loud and destructive way of celebrating the new year. They break dishes. Uh, so you throw old dishes at friends' doors on New Year's Eve. And uh, the one with the most dishes broken outside their door usually means that they have the most friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Spain... People uh, eat grapes at midnight. You eat 12 grapes and try and consume all of them by the time that the, the clock stops chiming. So it's supposed to be good luck. Uh, in Belarus, unmarried women complete or compete at games of skill to determine who will get married first in the new year. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's old school. Uh, oh, my gosh. Setting piles of corn and a rooster before each of the single women. Whichever pile the bird approaches first is believed to be the one who gets married first. Lucky girl. Lucky, lucky. The chicken or whatever it is the rooster uh, chose you. Um, I wonder who's and, uh, kicking the chicken away. No, over there. Go. <laughs> she wants you. Over there. In Puerto Rico, you don't want to be walking down the street uh, right at midnight because they throw buckets of water out the window to clean the old year out. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, so stay off the streets. So uh, anyway, these are just a few little weird uh, things. Yeah. We usually sit around here and drink a glass of champagne. Last year, I think we might possibly even were in bed before midnight. So we may have missed the actual ringing in of the new year, but we celebrate it in our own unique way. Well, I guess sadly now um, we have a large number of people that just sit in front of their computer and watch, you know, balls drop in New York City and other yeah. places like that. Yeah. Uh, although it is kind of nice that because now you can access New Year's around the world, 
Now with a computer, you have a greater sense of what the time changes as the planet rotates. So you can go online and access all the fireworks display in Australia and slowly, you know, again, one after the next, kind of see all the great fireworks before you can go off to your, your New Year's uh, evening. Well, I, I kind of like that. Well, it's cool. And I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, if you're from Australia, but you're living here, you can actually watch it in real time on your computer. And it reminds me, and this is a, a completely different thing, but yeah, maybe not so different. Um, I knew a guy who started a business and has done really well with it, where he broadcasts funerals on closed circuit internet sites. So a friend of yours has died in, in Winnipeg and you can't go. Right. Well, they'll, they'll shoot it in live real time and broadcast it just for you. You're not, it's not just, you know, not anyone can click in. You're given a link and a password, I guess. And, but it's been very popular for, you know, people that want to pay their last respects, but, you know, can't travel or, or for or infirm or something and can't get there. Too cheap or. <laughs> but I liked it. Didn't like them that much. I'm yeah. not going. Yeah. No, and I think it's it's a good thing because the, the sad thing is when someone does pass away and you don't have many people showing up. It's always awful when you're at a funeral and it's just that wrong place, wrong time. Nobody really knows. You've got six people. Those Governor Rigby funerals. Yeah. So, yeah, as long as you know, it increases the chance that you can have more people paying respect and can offer support to the family or whoever's involved. I guess that's a, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's just listen. We're, we've been we've spent this uh, hour almost talking about uh, how the world's changing, and yeah. that's one of the ways it is. I mean, and that's and it's changing this way. I mean, you know, I, I really, honestly, I was really kind of profoundly uh, uh, interested looking at these old photographs of my family because uh, many of them aren't alive anymore, and mm -hmm. many of them died a long time ago. And I was just thinking, I wonder what it would be like for her to drop into the world that I live in right now and see everything, see me talking on this or just spending a lot of time doing this, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I mean, there's a thousand things, right? And uh, it would be interesting to, uh, to know, you know. Well, and it'll also be interesting to see um, people as they become nostalgic 50 years from now, 60 years from now, and start yeah. to look back at these trends. Uh, what the attitudes are going to be like. Are, are we going to look back and see ourselves as being incredibly silly because we spent so much time watching cat videos or uh, the, the new social media trend is milking right now? Do you remember planking? Yeah. People oh, milking and pouring. Where people are now photographing themselves pouring milk on their heads. Uh, how are people going to look stupid things though i mean now you just it's easier to publicize them but remember people used to eat live goldfish you know there was all that kind of stuff right right but i, I guess now you have the photographic evidence you know whereas back in the 1940s if people did that you don't really know or hear about it right. uh, too much but yeah it's been fascinating the world that the way that everything changes yeah yeah but that's that seems like it's it. That's it for now. Phones <laughs> ringing, things are going on. Uh, Heyoyouzombies.com. It's out there in the world. Go go visit us. Uh, I have a feeling there's going to be a picture or a video at least of the grumpy cat up there today. I think so. Yeah. No, I'd love to see him up there. And uh, let us know if you've ever had an experience where you've had to do something that was like a one-way trip. Have you ever had to make that hard and difficult decision where there's no going back? You're, you're beyond the point of no return. Would you go to Mars? 
I don't know. I'm still thinking about it myself, but yeah. you can let us know at heyallyouzombies.com. Are you frozen? See, there's details. Are you frozen while you're in there? Like, is it like Planet of the Apes where you wake up 50 years later and you still pretty much look exactly like you did when you went away? Uh, it depends whether uh, you're yeah. still self-contained in your suit or not. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the end result is you would lose all body heat um, and you'd eventually be a cold monument to yourself. The question is what would happen when people eventually come back to Mars? What do they do? Do they, they bronze you? Do they <laughs> <laughs> They're working hard to make all the footprints on the moon uh, classified as an UNESCO heritage site because they don't really? want anybody touching. All oh, that's that. good. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it, it is amazing because you not only would you be leaving a legacy um, that would be phenomenal, but you are the first person taking that bold step. That has yeah. to be important towards the whole human race. Well, the first one. Not the fifth one. The not the one. <laughs> Got to be the first one. And the good news is that they actually are looking into being able to send up 3D printers so that when you're there, you can actually draw materials from the, the rocks around you and print the kind of things that you need. So maybe boredom wouldn't be a big problem up there. You could just print off little toys and stuff for yourself. Little puzzles. Yeah. All right, but we will see you next week. Check out uh, heyallyouzombies.com. <laughs>